Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're in the public eye, no matter how big or small your role is in the public eye, people can come for you. Movember presents In The Barber Chair, a podcast dedicated to bringing you real cuts and real conversations about men's health. I'm Matt Johnson and I'm your host. Movember wants men to take action to live happier, healthier, longer lives and they invest in prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health and suicide prevention. Uh, welcome to the show, Jake Humphreys. Uh, welcome to the In the Barber Chair podcast. But you're not in a barber chair, you're in your, your own home there. But welcome nevertheless. Thank you. I'm in my study at home uh, out here in East Anglia. Nice to, nice to see you, mate. How is things going during these <laughs> wild, wild times? Has uh, lockdown been okay for you? Uh, you know, I feel so lucky. We've got two kids and we moved out of London to Norfolk back in 2016. So it's it's kind of um, if we oft we have sort of felt like we're on the outside looking in at everything going on. I mean, my sister and my brother-in-law both work for the NHS, so she has been responsible for kind of helping be, be part. We live in Norwich, so she's been part of the plan for East Anglia for how they were going to deal with everything. And then my brother-in-law is a physio, but got retrained to operate ventilators and work on the sort of front line. So it was a weird time for us because our kids were off school. I was not going to work. My wife doesn't work anyway. So we were in the garden, in the sunshine, and the weather was amazing, playing with the children. And also, I think what was really good for us was we were desperate to keep it like as normal as possible for them. There's no point yeah. us talking about coronavirus and death rates and you know vaccines in front of a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. So we just basically were like, right, between, the, between half six when they normally wake up and 7 p.m., we just don't talk about it. They know it's going on, but we don't want to sort of fill their brains with it. So we just said, let's just enjoy being all together because they're not seeing their friends. They're not at school. It was weird enough anyway. But so then it was a weird mix of having a normal day and then in the evening calling my sister. And this was right at the sort of beginning when she was fearful that it was just going to kind of devastate every part of the country and that we were going to, you know, be part of that devastation in East Anglia. Mm. Um, and she was really, like you could see, you know, we might get on to talking about mental health a bit later on, but I think that's something that's kind of not been talked about enough is the mental health impacts on the NHS workers and the key workers who've had to kind of just go through this. No one gets a job as a nurse and thinks they're going to deal with a global pandemic, you know? Mm. Um, so that it was a strange time, but it, we've been okay. You know, we're super lucky to be out in the countryside, basically. Yeah, I think 
one of the major factors, uh, definitely for me, uh, was that fear, the unknown. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. the more and more I, I talked to people and I did a few uh, like Instagram lives to try and check in with people to see what they were thinking. And, and that fear uh, of the unknown was, it was absolutely palpable. And I think it's still there. And, and yeah, you're absolutely right. My, my brother is a police officer back in, in Wales and, uh, and just uh, being in that situation and not having any answers and just taking yeah. it day by day with that fear is, it's, it's, it's taken its toll massively. He, it must have. How was your sister now? Yeah, she's okay now. I mean, she's sort of, she's just still, it's weird because the, I don't think that anxiety goes away. Like until the, mm. they say, right, here's a vaccine, coronavirus is no longer with us. That that anxiety for those frontline workers is like they're all the time. They just don't know when there's going to be another sort of spike big enough to change everything again. But she she seems okay actually. Um, it's a f it's weird anyway. I think when you've got kids, you just become so much more aware of mortality. Like I personally, until in my thirties, I felt invincible and you just barrel on through. You never go to the doctor. Nothing is going to happen to me. I'm mm. all right. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, the yeah, classic yeah, way you think. And then you have kids and then you get this added complication of please don't let anything bad happen to me in case my children get it. Um, and that was the sort of, that was really all I was worried about was just because then all these reports, the biggest fear for me was these reports that started coming out about children showing symptoms and this worrying rise in children being admitted to hospital. And you just, you know, they talk about mutations and all this and then you're thinking, oh no, just yeah. not the kids. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And do you, have you found, I, de I definitely found this in my, probably, I had that mortality check in my early 20s. I shattered my cheekbone and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm not invincible anymore. I'm not a Batman or I thought I was. Yeah. And uh, definitely in my 30s, I'm just a bit more cautious about things. Since having kids, have you uh, have you put the brakes on just to, uh, just how you socialize, how you go out, what you do with your, your free time sports-wise? Is that something yet that's kind of subconsciously or consciously happened to you? Yeah, I am. I do wish that I had, like I work out a lot now and I didn't do it when I was younger and I kind of wish I had, but I think it's probably without really thinking about it subconsciously, it is this, this feeling that like, I'm now 42. I don't want to work out the number of days that I've got left, but I do know no matter how long it is, it's not as long as I want it to be. Mm. And I know if I said this to my kids, they'll just roll their eyes and think dad's being boring, but to get to 42 has gone in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So to get to 84, double this, it's either going to be the same or it's going to be even quicker, right? Because it feels <laughs> like it's speeding up all the time. Yeah. And I don't know whether you've seen the musical Hamilton, but there's a, there's a line in that musical where, they, where he sings, there's a million things I haven't done. Yeah. And I, I'm really aware of all the things I haven't done. Um, and I think in terms of the, the mortality thing, it's less like fearing death and more just being aware of how lucky we are to be healthy. I saw a quote the other day saying that health... Health is the crown that healthy people wear that only the ill people see. So in other words, only when you're ill do you look at a healthy person and you see them there wearing a lovely crown. But when you're the healthy person, you don't feel like you're wearing it because you take your health for granted. I and completely I think, you understand know, that, yeah. You, the, you don't want to be the wealthiest person in the graveyard. You know that famous old phrase that my granny always used to say to me, which is basically, I, I guess, you know, you work all your life to build up your cash reserves and you would give it all away towards the end for one extra day, wouldn't you? Does that affect like um, bucket lists uh, for you? Have you got like things, because you're yeah. a successful human being. Is there any, what else is on your list of things to do professionally and p personally? I think an interesting change for me, Matt, was that when I first, 
moved on from kids TV because I didn't really earn much money on children's television and I just lived in a rented flat in London. Then I landed my job in Formula One and I was around all of these like high achieving billionaires and millionaires and Formula One drivers and business leaders and CEOs and we were flying to Monaco and Singapore and it was like, it was almost like this kid from a little village in Norwich had been allowed to look through this curtain into like this crazy world of madness. And then I was like, right, let, and if you'd have said to me at 28 when I got that job, write down the list of all the things you want to achieve. I definitely would have written down super yacht, Ferrari, <laughs> yeah. 458 Italia, uh, private island, helicopter. Two helicopters. Plane, two heli- probably two helicopters Go for, for two islands. Yeah. And then have whichever island I want to fly to at any given Just day. one, just in case you want like a Mackie D's. Yeah, you know, exactly. Back and forth. Why not? Yeah. I want... I'd be so rich so I would just send the pilot to go and collect them at McDonald's. I'd have one on my island and just... Yeah. And then I'd thought fire about him. If he flew it back and it was cold, he'd be fired. Absolutely. Or shot. That's how I mean, I'd you're roll. so that rich is- you can shoot people. <laughs> <laughs> so if you'd have asked me, you know, we're going back like 15 years, that would... I know it would have been. I know that's how I would have listed the like, achievements and stuff. Now that I'm 42, it is, it is only about experiences. Mm. And I'm not talking about like spending millions of pounds to go on amazing holidays because that basically then becomes the same thing doesn't it yeah it is it is just about not being so obsessed with what's happening tomorrow not worrying so much about what happened yesterday yeah being trying to be as present as possible with my kids so that when they come home and florence wants to you know run around the garden and go searching for worms i'm totally in that moment with her and we just we do we do stuff all the time so if it's a nice day when we collect the kids from school we will get in the car and we will just drive to the beach and we will just get blow up a paddleboard and go out on the water. I mean, a few weeks ago, I got up about six o'clock in the morning and I made scrambled egg and bacon and put them in flasks, like thermos flasks, like you had when you were a kid, so it stayed hot. Yeah. And we just woke the kids up, drove them to the beach and ate breakfast on the beach before everyone got there. That sort of stuff now, to me, is worth more than any well, that, that's any priceless. plane or anything. Yeah, it's it is, absolutely, it is priceless. Yeah. And there's another thing. The only that... disappointing thing is we do these things and then we say to our kids two months later, hey, what about that day on the beach? And they're like, uh, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, what? You don't remember the effort your dad went to? It meant so much to me. Yeah. Exactly. You never know. They, they might be on a podcast in 30 years' time and going, I remember that bacon and egg morning. And it was one of the greatest mornings of my life. Oh. That's when I realized what I would really like that. Well, do you know what? If they are on a podcast in, the, in that many years' time, all I would want them to say is that my dad was present. My dad was around. And not just a there, actually there, you know? What made you realise that being present was important? Because I think that's super fascinating. What happened yeah. to you to realise? It's a really good question. I think part of it is natural evolution as you get older and i don't how old are you matt 37 so you're a few years younger than me i don't know whether you've found this yet but there are lot quite a few of our friends are suddenly having a shit time mm-hmm. like either relationship breakdowns or serious job problems or i think particularly with men there seems to be like an expectation of where you have to be in your life by the time you get to the big four oh and a few of my friends that are not there are really, I think, struggling with it. And I think mm. that when you start to see all that stuff, 
you and some of these people, by the way, are really successful. And yeah. some of them you'd even we'd all know them on the television, on the radio. You know, they're like higher in the eyes of other people, they're high achieving. Successful. You, know, you would look at them and go, Wow, I'd love to be that person. Mm. But their turmoil is that they're either too invested in the things that they don't care about, or they perhaps don't even yet realise that they're constantly validating themselves by buying stuff. And I think it's such a dangerous game to get into where thinking that by buying a lovely car, it sort of moves you further forwards. And I, I think I was probably guilty of wanting to do that when I was a, f- a few years ago and then realising how, how stressful it, it felt. And um, I guess partly my upbringing as well, the one th- we didn't have a lot of money. My dad was a charity worker. My mum was a teacher, but they were always like they were always present. Like we were a proper family unit. And the final part of this is my wife's values. Really, like Harriet, who um I met in a nightclub in Norwich in 1999. <laughs> is is really was it called really, Zeus or something? No, it's called it was called Liquid. Oh, I, we had a liquid in Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, or was it everyone the... had a liquid. <laughs> yeah. It was part of the liquid show. And there was like lava lamps all around there. Oh, and it was yeah. A, I think it was a DJ Luck and MC Neat like performance night. The actual DJ Luck 2001, and 2000? 99. 99, that's the one. So this was just as yeah, they were yeah, on the yeah. cusp of their success. Yeah. And, uh, but she, and then, and she's amazing, Harriet, because she, she got a job in PR, but she didn't like it. She felt judged all the time. So, and weirdly, you know, obviously you work in television. You know, the mm. one job I could never do is production manager, looking after money that's not mine <laughs> and having to say yeah. no all the time to people's requests. Yeah. She said to me, I'd love to do that job. And um, and I said, well, then go for it. So she gave up her job in PR. She got a job on Big Brother. And then she worked on Dancing on Ice and I'm a Celeb and Strictly Come Dancing, but stopped all of it to come back and be with the kids because she is also of the mind that, you will never get these early years back with our children. And sh- mm. it's far, you know, as exciting as it is to be standing in the wings of Strictly Come Dancing when you go on air on a Saturday night at 7.30, being able to put your kids to bed every night for her. And I'm not saying this is, you know, I'm not judging anyone else here. For her yeah. and for me, that is the single most important thing because those days you never get back. I think that's very, very important. And what you just said then, it's what's what's right for you and your values. Yeah. For so long, I, I, I've fallen victim to it and I still fall victim to um, seeking things that I, I, I feel like that would impress other people or mm. um, that I think that I need. And I did it yeah, for yeah, such yeah. a long time with like watches and, and cars and careers and even girlfriends, you know, all that type of stuff. And for me, the humbling life experience was my own issues with my own mental health, with depression yeah. 10 years ago. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the, the quest for whatever that was over the last I 10 years. I hear it completely. And, yeah, yeah and, and it's, it's that every single dead end that I've gone down and every single mistake that I've made has all been a lesson. It's all been a, yeah. uh, whatever, failure. Um, you know, ne- nearly being bankrupt four years ago because of mm. silly decisions to rented a really expensive place in Chiswick when I didn't need to and a nice car, all of those things. Humbling experiences has taught me, every single lesson has taught me to be more present and to actually yeah. seek out what's right for you and not for this this expectation of you or this version of yourself. And and it's for me the greatest lesson, I think, for for every human being, you know, for whatever reason. If you can get to that point where you just realize the present moment is paradise that's it yeah. you know the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the the end goal the whatever that is the uh, the result of 
hard work is is something incredibly incredible wonderful to have and to achieve but the doing and the presence of that is for me the most beautiful part of yeah. it all and i think totally and i think that i am um, i think i found the answer right and for me anyway the answer is that sort of true like leadership or truly knowing that you're happy is that you're so comfortable and so confident in your own skin that every decision you make is about lifting other people up mm. rather than shouting about yourself all the time. And I think that, and it was Harriet that said this to me a few weeks ago. She's like, I've just looked at everything you do and like all of it is about trying to like make other people look and feel good. So I have this production company called Whisper and mm. we are so intense about... L- helping people who are underrepresented in the media industry get an opportunity. So whether that is because they're from um, a disadvantaged background um, or they're black or they're Asian or they're disabled or they're a member of the LGBTQ plus um, or they're just simply a woman. Mm. Like, it's amazing how often you don't see those people underrepresented. So the whole point of Whisper, as well as producing good content, is to really genuinely attack equality in a really aggressive way. So we just produced a documentary called The Talk for Channel 4, which was the first time ever a documentary had been part-funded by the production company. And it was about the talk that black people have to have with their kids, which you and I will never have to have with our kids, which is life's going to be harder purely because the colour of your skin. And I have a, a scholarship at the UEA, so I fund a student to go through the university to do a media degree. Again, from a disadvantaged background. Mm. And then I invested in an eyewear brand called Coral Eyewear, which takes um, fishing nets out of the sea and plastic out of landfill and turns it into eyewear. But again, it's run by a 19-year-old student who sort of, <laughs> he wouldn't have anywhere else to sort of turn or to go for a bit of advice and a bit of guidance. And so I, mm. I did that with him. And now I do a podcast you know, called High Performance, which is all about taking learnings from other people and passing them on. And I sort of feel like, that is probably the answer for me personally. And it won't be for everyone. But I feel like for me, the true, like having truly arrived is not caring about myself because I feel so happy and so content and so comfortable. And I also realise, by the way, how lucky I am to have got to this place. But a bit like you, it's been through persistent failure, if that's what you want to call it, or learning, which is mm. probably the right word. It's been through persistent learning. That eventually... You you reach that place. I I completely agree with you. To to be in the privileged situation of uh, being in any sort of way uh, successful uh, by yeah. whatever standards that is, and then my my greatest like very much like yours is looking at my well through therapy and and looking at my younger self. What I would love to teach my younger self uh, and and get away all of those conditioning. Uh, negative conditioning things like you you can't do what you what you want to do because of where you're from or people don't speak like you on the t- television and 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 having a small element of that like in in no way in comparison to anybody from uh, a, a marginalized society it's just flabbergasting when i look at the media and when i see how many opportunities people have because they got rich parents or whatever and it's absolutely heartbreaking it it, it genuinely to see and and to feel when i go back home i feel that energy of people thinking that they are not good enough because of their conditioning and to be able to isn't it no it's 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 it breaks my heart 
it genuinely breaks yeah. my heart. And, and that's where it all comes down to mental health. And it all, all comes down to the same types of thing is we are and conditioned you know, though, to think I think we way. all need to sort of step up together to solve this. And I think one of the frustrations, with, I often speak to people and they talk about the bits and pieces that I'm doing. And I say, well, you should do the same thing. And they're like, mm. they often say, oh, well, I will, like when the time's right. But mm. you can't wait until you've got a FTSE 100 business and then go, right, now we're going to have a corp- corporate social responsibility arm. You can't wait until you're earning a million pounds a year and then say, right, now I'm ready to give money to charity. You know, you yeah. can't wait for the, the, the moment to be perfect before you say, right, I'm going to be a difference maker. You know, you have to do it right from the sort of, right from the very start. We all have to sort of drive this change together, I think. And we have to support each other. That's what it's all about, and, lifting and I- each other up. I do worry. I do worry that this um, does fall into this. I, I, don't, I don't know what the best way to describe this is. Is that I see constantly on Instagram, get up before in the morning, be like the rock. You can be anybody you want to be, and all yeah, that type of yeah. stuff. And I agree that works for some people. And I, you know, that's kind of some sort of you know, energy boost. I can see that. But that type of life isn't for everybody. It's it's almost kind of shaking mm. somebody and going, don't listen to your mum and dad, you know, do what's right for you. Follow, yeah. follow what you truly want to be present in what you want. And you don't, you're not going to get valued or, or, or any sort of way judged if you don't, have a f- uh, million pounds in your bank account by the time you're 30 and you're not, you don't always have to strive for the same things as everybody else. And I kind of explore it a lot with um, checking in, with, like with therapy and counseling. You check in with yourself and you give three words uh, that best describe who you are, uh, how you feel in that moment. And that really helps me because I drift off and I can get, I can watch one episode of Bloody oh, I can watch ballers on HBO with a rock or something. I'm like, all of a sudden, I want a Lamborghini, and I have to recheck with myself and just kind of get back onto yeah. the straight and narrow. But because- that's the key: is to check with yourself, though, isn't it? Because I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's what we can't do is say, right, um, let's not all say that the struggle is going to give us the answer. But equally, let's mm-hmm. not all say that we can. We just have to look for fulfillment by traveling all the time. And let's not just say you have to have kids to be happy or let's not say you have to um, have, sleep with a thousand people before you're 21 to be happy. Like there's loads of different That's a good experiment, mine. It's <laughs> a good experiment. One I definitely <laughs> failed, by the way. Uh, and that, so there's, there's loads of different ways that you can find happiness. But I think the key thing is for people to find it for themselves. And let's accept that there will be social media accounts that say, get up at four o'clock in the morning do a thousand mm-hmm. sit-ups, have an hour of meditation and then attack the day and don't stop and be relentless. And I recently did a podcast interview with Johnny Wilkinson and he's actually really interesting. He said that he thought that the book that he released after winning the World Cup would have created mental health problems among young rugby players in the UK because all he wrote about was the power of struggle, the power of difficulty, the power of challenging yourself. Whereas now he's realising yeah. that it should, it's not about the struggle. It's about being in the moment. It's about being in the now. It's about being in the flow and enjoying your life. But for some people it is. For some people, and I think I'm probably one of them, like, I like the struggle. I do. I like the criticism. Mm-hmm. I like that phrase, take the stones they throw at you and build monuments. I like, I do. I like to have that sort of fire coming at me from somewhere. But I realize that that for other people is unhealthy. So I think what I would say is just, don't get obsessed with everything that you're seeing 
and just try and find what really works for you. Like I know we're all responsible, right, for creating this horrendous, fake, cultivated life on Twitter. Like we went to a hotel the other day, right, and our kids, for whatever reason, were overexcited and they were horrendous. And we had this breakfast and stuff got spilt and I got angry and then Harriet, my wife, was sort of trying to calm me down and then trying to calm the kids down and then the breakfast was... It was just an awful breakfast, one where you would have looked across the room at us and gone, that family are having a bad start to the day. (laughs) Then at the end of the meal, I'm like, right, come on, guys, let's just get a photo and send it around to the family. So we all then look at the camera and smile like that. (laughs) Family WhatsApp group. And I put the photo in the family WhatsApp group. um, And straight away, my sister comes back and goes, oh, it looks amazing. You guys having a great time. And then I actually thought to myself, why did I bother? Do, why much better for my sister's mental well-being for me to say, "Hey, Rachel, I know sometimes you have really shite mornings with your kids. We've just had one of them," rather than, and this is <laughs> yeah. this is basically repeated, isn't it, on people's social media accounts again and again and again. I mean, the very fact that we edit yeah. photos on our phone before we upload them is everything that's wrong with social media. Yeah. Um, why did I feel the need to do that and say everything's great, guys, rather than just be honest and it's just like why are we constantly oh, trying to I, shout well, about perfection because then word. everyone else compares themselves to that perfection yeah I, well it's that word authenticity isn't it and yeah. uh, it gets thrown around an awful lot but it's actually very true I mean I, I definitely dig people when they're a bit more honest and truthful and authentic etc yeah. but I think the well, so I'm going to ask you about how you educate your kids because I've got a stepson who's 13 now in a couple of weeks and I I try and teach him constantly that it doesn't mean anything, you know, that perfect life or that life or this and that, you know, you know, a million things going on and try and tell him stories like what you just said. And because the the best education you can have is to go, I'll take that with a pinch of salt. That person's obviously going to put the best version of themselves out there. Like you remember those old photo um, books you'd have on coffee tables and stuff. You're not going to put yeah, shit yeah, photos yeah. in there or shit photos Correct. on the wall. You're going to project. Correct. You're going to yeah, yeah, do yeah. all that. But it's just the understanding. And I know subconsciously, I, I look, I, I, I can scroll through Instagram and get wound up or annoyed. Same and then yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'll open. Right. But this kick. listen, Matt, I spend all my time reading books, trying to educate myself, doing mm. podcast interviews like this and spending time with people where I discuss don't compare yourself to other people. Their life is not your life. And I feel I'm really educated and I feel I'm actually pretty strong in this area, yet mm-hmm. still it impacts me. Yeah. So imagine if you haven't got that kind of mindset that I've got, how it must be horrendous. Yeah, awful. Absolutely. That, and I think that's one of the, the most dangerous things in our children's society yeah. at the moment is that comparison. Always the yeah, yeah, comparison yeah. is the death of joy. That's you know one of my favorite Correct. quotes. It's, it's definitely highlighted and heightened even more now because of social yeah. media. I'm so and worried actually about my kids and, and so that, you know, seven which, and five. Yeah, they're, so what, what do you too young do to moment. prepare? Yeah, because but they're going to be all of a sudden online. Yeah. I, the truth is I have no idea how you prepare them for seeing that sort of stuff. Um, do you control what they see? Do you just educate them so that, I mean, but already, you know, Florence obviously has no media accounts or anything like that because she's she's only seven, but she still wants to know about numbers of followers and numbers of likes. And I'm, I sort of made, I made the point to her. I said, listen, the number of likes you get isn't a valid, that doesn't mean anything. I didn't use the word validation. She's only seven. Mm. 
<laughs> the number of likes you get, it means nothing, Florence. It counts for nothing. It's like who you truly are is what is what really matters. Um, so I haven't even really broached the subject of social media. I've basically just sat on my own quietly and sort of panicked about it, really. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I think my boy will be all right, my. My son, I hope anyway, he's he's really, he's if you met him, you'd think he's shy, but he's very quiet, but he just takes everything on board. He kind of has a rock solid self-belief. He makes his opinions up about people and he sticks with them and he just, he just deals with stuff. Whereas Florence is much more questioning and wondering and wanting to impress other people and wants mm. to know about other people's opinions. And, you know, a, a phrase not dissimilar to one that you used a second ago, which, which I which I really like as well, which is criticism is the enemy of creativity. And I mm. think that is, that's the sort of thing that our kids are going to have to deal with. Like I get obviously criticized because I'm on television and talk about sport. And people are really emotionally invested in football. So they absolutely yeah. come at you really horribly and vitriolic and just so like, just really dismissive. Mm. Right. And yeah. to the point where I have had, situations where i'm on the television and i'm and i come from a kids tv background i'm not your typical sports presenter by any stretch of the imagination and i'm thinking oh, i might do this and i actually have thought mm, actually no people on twitter will call me a complete twat for doing that so i better not do that and i think afterwards i think god i'm really pissed off with myself for that because i don't want those things to impact me and i felt like i was mm. pretty insulated against it and i've i have taken the approach I don't know what you're like with this. I've taken the approach that I would rather know what is being written about me on social media because I know for a fact the people I work with, the producers, the execs, the people that run channels and stuff, they definitely read it and look at it. And I forewarned is forearmed, right? So I'd rather know what's being said, whether that's right or wrong. I remember one of the producers I once worked with, he used to have TweetDeck, right? Yeah. And it was up in front of him. And he would have my name and the name of the program on tweet that Holy shit. And I remember seeing once a tweet coming in from someone about something I was, something I said. And I looked at the tweet and I thought, that's a silly comment. And then about an hour later in the production meeting, that comment was repeated to me as if it was an opinion of the producer. Oh, oh I was just thinking one thing that you could do is this. I'm thinking, hold on. 
That has uh, literally popped up on your laptop while I've been on the television. And now you've just repeated it to me as if it's your own producing. So you're basically, I'm being produced by some man or woman in a living room somewhere. So Sean from Sheffield. Oh, so I then thought, and that was the moment where I thought, I need to know what's being said here, just so yeah. I know where this information is coming from. But then that then means you do have to open yourself up to the criticism and you do have to take it on board. And I kind of thought I would dealt with it okay until that, until it started affecting how I worked. That's insane. So so you still look at your, your, your tweets and you type in your name and you take a look at it. And yeah. so and how doesn't that affect you? How, because I, I well, definitely I think, do not do that. Yeah. Well, it does affect me. And I, and maybe it would be a, maybe it's something that I shouldn't do. But then at the same time, I almost feel like I'm a bit worried about not doing it. If you said to me, right, you can never look again at what's being said on social media. Mm. I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure I like that idea. But then I also know it's the single biggest source of stress in my life without doubt. And I think sometimes you can also feel like you can feel like it's a really big thing when it isn't. But when 20 or 30 people send a message about the same thing, it kind of feels almost like it's real. And I think I have to re-educate myself that just because something is said on social media, it isn't real. But people don't understand what it is like to have that kind of barrage of criticism coming your way. Well, and it's very new as well. I mean, yeah. I, I, when I started in network 10 years ago, yeah, started in TV 20. But, you know, when I, when I, was, I was a journalist, I did Wales News 10 years ago now, and... It, Twitter just started and it was all of a sudden we'd be like oh we've got two minutes spare on the news let's read some tweets out there's nothing to think about then and all of a sudden it is like an algorithm of what people's opinions are yeah. like we always used to wait to see with uh, I think it was uh, Ro- uh, not, Eamon Holmes on points of view or something like that every, like once every month or something like now yeah. it's this constant shaping of your character online I don't I don't think that's healthy, but it alarms me that it actually matters because I've just got, oh, fuck it. If you're cancelled on Twitter, just turn Twitter off. Fuck it. How does it really matter? Yeah. But it, yeah, it doesn't. Does. does and that's it? how you, that's your mindset, is it? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I'm, um, yeah, I'm jealous of that. I'm I jealous had a of that terrible mindset. experience once. I needed money and I got three grand to do a live wedding from Wales with people on benefits for Channel 5. And it broke me. It absolutely broke me. It was... Um, it was one of those shows where I was just left out in the dark and um, and I wasn't really proud of what I was doing. And I felt really bad for the people that were being filmed because clearly I think they were having a lovely day. But little did I know that obviously online, when you say these people are using their benefit money to have a wedding and that whole argument starts about yeah. uh, what they should spend their money on because it's our money or their money. I, I think I didn't realize that that would open the floodgates to so much criticism. And I did come off air that night dead because I had to fill for five minutes. I had to do basically a best man speech uh, and it was almost the end of my career. It really broke me. Mm. And I was sat in a travel lodge in Newport just going through all of the tweets and they were absolutely horrible. I mean, like if somebody came up to me in the street and said those things, I'd swing for them. And it was thousands. And from that moment on, I was just like, you know, I'm going to do stuff that people are going to have comments on. I'm going to try and keep it light. I'm not going to engage. And to be honest, I very rarely go onto social media now. If I if I go on there, it's just to post something funny. And then I look at look around and I'm like, oh, it's like putting your head inside a tumble dryer. And I'm out. Yeah. And I don't bother yeah, yeah, with yeah. it. I can't, How I mad can't though that we 
we have to think like, well, I'm going to put stuff on there, but I'm not going to have an opinion and <laughs> it's just going to be really bland and then no one can go. You know, that's the great... And I, I, one of the footballers I work with, Owen Hargreaves, he has a brilliant approach to it. You know, he played for Man United and Bayern Munich and won Champions Leagues and played for England. And I say to him, why are you not on any socials? And he's like, why do I, why do I want to be on socials, man? If I want news or updates, I will go and find the news or the updates from the places I want. But I don't want to share my life with anyone. And I certainly don't want people I do not know and do, whose opinion I do not value telling me what they think of me. If I want to, I mean, I'll tell you a story, actually. I was once, during a football game, was trending on Twitter, right? And it was horrendous. Like, Jake Humphrey, game off the football, send him back to Kids Telly, send him back to F1. He's just shit. He's <laughs> smug. He's trying to be friends with the pundits. He doesn't know anything about football. All the usual lazy um, criticisms that normally come my way from, I have to say, mainly 18-year-old lads that probably would like to be doing the job and aren't. And just assume that I'm lucky to be there. And I got a text message that said, Happy New... It was... So it was New Year's Eve. Uh, and this came in at four in the afternoon. And it said, um, Hiya, Jake. We've watched BT many times. Tonight we watched the Liverpool game in the roundup. You were so good. I could sense you were getting over a cold, but you were brilliant. <laughs> we both said, You are the best football presenter on TV. Very enjoyable. And you ask the questions punters want to hear. And you bring out the best in them all. Love Sue. Um, and I got that message and I had looked at hundreds of critical tweets about my work and then got that one message from Sue Barker. Ah. And that to me was, right, I, that is what I need to be listening to. She's walked the walk. She's hosted Sports Personality and Wimbledon and Question of Sport and Olympics. She knows what the job is. Yeah. All these people, you know, what's the phrase? You wouldn't take holiday advice from someone who's never left home. And that's mm -hmm. what I was doing. I was looking at messages from people that have never sat in my chair, stood in my shoes or walked in my footsteps. And, I'm, and I was, it was almost like it mattered what they thought. Yet that one message from someone who I really, and that is a lesson respect. to me now. That is a lesson to me now. I, I now listen to people like, and I've got much better at seeing that criticism. But what it is, Matt, I, I know why it happened. I was getting high on my own supply. So I was loving people saying I was great on the telly. I was loving people yeah. liking my tweets and my updates, particularly when I was on Formula One because Twitter first started and Twitter was really friendly then, yeah? It was like a mm -hmm, nice yeah. place Follow to Follow Friday, etc., and all that. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, guys, get it. Oh, I love your work. You're yeah, follow these great. guys. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I must be brilliant because everyone says I am. Woohoo! And yeah. then that was also like reinforced by BBC Sport at the time and the my producers go, well, look what everyone's saying at home. Look at the tweets that are coming in. Look at the positive comments. You know, they used to say things like, oh, the, the digital team, as they were called in those days, the digital team say we have 89% positive responses to the programme. So, of course, <laughs> you're like, whoa, let me see them. Let me Ooh. see them. Don't worry about the 11%. Let me see the 89%. So you read all that. Then when it turns and you work in football and you work for... Um, a pay TV provider, which among football fans garners sort of natural criticism anyway. And people sort of think that you left the BBC to chase the money. So maybe you're a bit of a sellout as well. Plus the whole of social media is changing a little bit anyway. And you get a bit more confidence that you start actually sharing opinions on social media. And you go from the BBC where you're being watched by seven or eight million people to a channel behind a paywall where the audience is less. So you feel you need to shout a bit more and be a bit louder and sort of almost justify your decision. All of those things combined to just bring 
bile into my life through social media. And it was difficult. It was difficult. But I feel now I'm in a place where I know you can't, but I do feel now I can read them and almost smile. Mm. These people are so bothered. Well, I, I agree what you're saying. Because I, again, when you meet somebody, like I met, I bumped into Gazzo once at um, yeah. at this morning. And he went, hey, is you off the telly? You're good, you are. Lock it up. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, That's amazing. I will have that for a long time. And and I do value opinions from peers. I always feel that an audience will vote with their feet anyway. So whatever they say is great. Everybody's got an opinion. And like you say, somebody that's emotionally invested in something, they're going to shout more and they have the opportunity more. And with the more TV broadcasters given that as a, like a platform, it's going to happen. But I always feel like, well, you know, they just won't buy the record if they don't like me. That's fine. But And as well, well, Eamon Holmes says I'm good. That's great. But whatever, Bruce uh, Forsyth. But the real thing, and I really, this is my big thing for everybody. Just if you think you've done a good job, that's enough. Like if you give yourself an honest opinion, the way that you talk to yourself. I mean, I've been the worst victim of this 10 years ago when I, I I tried to take my own life. I was the worst person I could ever imagine to myself. All those people on Twitter did not come close to how I spoke to myself. And that's that's the, like you say, the the answer and whatever. And like, there's many different things, many different facets to having a, a solid mind or a But it's not easy. Life. I think that's the, that is the key thing. I, from my perspective anyway, like I am jealous of people who can who who so own self-talk and you obviously are really good at it and i'm well, really it's a process pleased. it's not easy exactly well, yeah exactly i was gonna say i'm mm. sort of pleased and i'm proud of you that you've taken the steps to do that and and it's like always going to be hard work probably and you're always going to have to make use of the skills that you're learning but you're doing it and that's mm -hmm. the key thing um it isn't easy though is it and i feel like i am <laughs> None of it is. I I just need to work a lot harder at reminding myself that things are good. Yeah. Well, that and that that's the thing. I think um, from having these conversations, like when you when you earlier said being present, I know when when I'm working, when you're working, I think that you have to be present because there's so many things moving parts. There's so many things happening. You have no choice but to be present. And that can be quite addictive, can't it? That, that kind of yeah, it uh, can. And I think that presence. You know what, when I really sort of, by the way, it's so nice, isn't it, just to chat like this? Yeah, it's sort of, it's not the conversation that typically men have enough of. But when I sort of, um, when I really sit here and break it down, like maybe part of the issue for me is that I just feel so responsible, you know. I did buy a big house in the country. Well, that's my responsibility to make sure I can afford the mortgage on it, right? And I have put my kids in a nice school and that is my responsibility. And I, they have got used to nice holidays. And I feel that there's a lot on my shoulders and maybe my issues that I still have with social media is I just don't want social media to sort of bring it all crumbling down by one mistake on twitter or one silly comment or do you know what i mean it's, it feels like we live in a world now where there is no um leeway to go oh yeah well maybe they're learning or maybe they were having a bad day or maybe they weren't feeling well we just get rid of them i can cancel agree. them and, yeah and that cancel culture is scary because you you don't want to be on the wrong end of it and you know you and i both would have known 
Caroline Flack, for example, someone mm. who did experience that, and you see the effects that it has on people. And I think that that is a kind of, a, it lurks around all the time that at the moment, if you're in the public eye, no matter how big or small your role is in the public eye, people can come for you. And I think that's that's very important. I think the, the situation with Flacky, a good friend of mine, and what happened there um, should have been a real eye-opener and a massive... It's not though, is it? It's not at all, mate. It's not... Be kind uh, lasted a couple of days. And literally back. a couple mate, of days. We can cross global pandemic off the list of things that might bring us together. I know. We've reached that point now. Talking about this earlier with my friend, I was like, do you remember when I said on Instagram that I think this is going to be really good for us all? It's going to bring us all together. Literally four minutes later... Yeah, 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 yeah. People are like, you fucking yeah. mask wearing idiots, yeah, all this stuff. And do you know what I mean? And, and that's why I just see it as noise. And I think maybe the Caroline situation affected me. My, my friend Sophie Graydon took her own life uh, yeah. two years ago. Uh, she was on Love Island and, and the, the barrage of um, hate and et cetera that she, she received and the life that she was supposed to live because of the expectations she put on herself yeah. was just so, so incredibly tough. And, and I suppose this is what this is what we are talking about. This is a very yeah. new situation, which is scary. Which is which is yeah. Is, is and that, I think we're all learning fear. as we go along. By the yeah. Way. You know, I I now absolutely consciously, and if people trawled through my tweets, they might find some from a couple of years ago, because I didn't I didn't see the light then. I do not post negative, critical, aggressive, bullying, dismissive mm. stuff. Like people probably get bored and unfollow me because all I'm doing is putting up like positive quotes and positive messages and, you know, sharing clips on the, the podcast that I do about how to enrich your life, how to feel better within your own skin, how to how to be empowered, how to be happy. Because what is the point adding to the negative stuff? Like I had a chat with my brother the other day and he, my brother is, um he's quite anti sort of big government and big corporations and all that sort of stuff. And he said, and we were basically discussing how can we make an impact on the world at the moment? And we kind of agreed if if we just said, right, my my inner circle, my core group, and we'll all have them, you know, we're talking about close family friends, probably 20, 25 people mm. each, right? Th- those you hold dear. I am going to absolutely invest in them. I'm going to speak to them regularly. I'm going to make sure they feel good. I'm going to make it absolutely clear if they've got a problem, I'm there for them. And the agreement is, they do the same with their close friends and we start this movement and before you know it that would be everyone in the world because they're literally wouldn't have to go that far i mean let you know you think about it let's say it goes from um from you to someone at itv from someone at itv to piers morgan from piers morgan to donald trump right yeah. That's how quickly you could start to influence <laughs> the power of of, of americans do you know and just say, right, let's all just, let's just all be thoroughly kind, mm. thoroughly positive. Let's just uplift and celebrate the people around us yeah. for a week and see what happens. See what the happens. world would be a different place. The world would be a different place. It's so fucking simple and so easy to do. It's free. Like, just be good to each other, man. We're not here for that long. No, we're really not. And I think that's the, th- uh, the the thing what happens with during the pandemic. We have lots of realizations. Is that yeah. quick fret to get back to normal. But the main the main crux of what the what we're talking about there with kindness, 
compassion. The the opposite of that, like I, I, your friends and family and your your social group within like my urban family, like I have now in London. I'm from Kafiri. I've got my mates there and all that. I've got my core tribe and all that type of stuff. And going back to and interestingly, like a, a harsh lesson to learn from having people you love die because of comments from people and taking taking the power away from those comments and being compassionate because if somebody can see uh, a video, see you on the television and have the time to construct a tweet, to say something mean, to bring you down, that person's in a bad place themselves. That person is is struggling in some sort of way and having the compassion and feeling sorry for him in some sort of way is is also another way to kind of get around yeah. any sort of negative abuse. And obviously it this is you on TV. That. Yeah, Matt, it extends to replying to the negativity and saying, you, listen, you don't sound I great. don't know why you feel, well, I don't know why you felt the need to spend some of your time writing that. But if you're not happy at the moment, there's loads of people you can talk to. Yeah. And just, just. I've done it. I've done it myself. I've been in situations yeah. where I've got pissed in an afternoon and I'm not in a good place. I've gone onto Twitter and I've had an argument about politics with somebody. I've even commented underneath yeah. people's posts and had a little fight with somebody. And it's, and it's my own fault. And I go, my God, I've done it. I've done exactly what. I hate, and it's because you know I was in a bad place myself, and it's just that compassion, and that's what you know, like kindness and compassion. That's the that's the way, isn't it? Presence, yeah, yeah, yeah. kindness, Listen, and compassion. And this for anyone that's listening to us talking, and they're thinking, yeah, I'm getting, and obviously it's, we're not talking necessarily just about social media criticism, but any any criticism, any bullying, any negativity in your life, please understand, it is all about them and nothing to do with you. This is them putting their opinion onto you and that's mm. why you know you 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 literally cannot worry about opinions because an opinion is not who you are an opinion yeah. is what someone is trying to force upon you you know what you are you know who you are that's what matters that is absolutely what matters your reputation does mm. not matter your actions are what unless are you what get speak. a tweet from sue barker it was a text so obviously we're close <laughs> not sure she's on twitter i'd love it if she was Wait, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on i could actually talk to you all day about this because it's very important stuff and i and i yeah, hope uh, is, anybody yeah. listening out there can kind of understand the power of conversation because yeah. i feel present i feel like i'm having a true connection with somebody which is most of the time all i need and uh, thank you yeah. so much for your time jake no, listen, mate, it's an absolute pleasure to sit in. And I, can I just say what you're doing is really important. And, I, you know, I don't want people to listen to this and think that a couple of guys that have had average to good broadcasting careers, should we call them those? There's two yeah. guys that sit and have had those careers have, have sort of have any right to preach to other people about how they should live or how they should think. It's not mm -hmm. about that. It's about the power of just sharing. And wouldn't it be great if, if people picked up the phone and had a similar conversation? with their mates about how are you feeling yeah. and just try to spread a bit of positivity because like I always say nothing bad can come from doing something good so give it a whirl change the face of men's health for more information or to support Movember head to movember.com Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 